This is Jasper Reed, and this is Letter from India. Last October, October 2019, we had some friends around to our apartment in New Delhi to watch a rugby game. I appreciate rugby is not very popular in India, but it was a chance to meet with some people from around the world who like rugby. Anyway, in the middle of the game, Elsa Reed, my youngest twin daughter by about five minutes, came rushing into the drawing room shouting, Papa, Papa, come with me. So I slightly kind of sighed because I was dragging myself away from rugby after a nice long lunch. And I followed Elsa down our street and she showed me, under a tree, all huddled up, the most enormous green pigeon. So we looked at the pigeon and we considered what to do. And of of course, we realized that um, at street level, this pigeon did not stand a chance. This is the, the country and the city of street dogs, street cats and all sorts of other predators, including the kites that fly over Delhi all year round. So we picked up the pigeon and brought the pigeon home. And of course, the pigeon was a source of enormous interest to our assembled guests, not least because no one there had ever seen a green pigeon. And the pigeon was very bedraggled. The first thing, of course, and this applies to any animals in our house, and over the years we have had many animals and we live opposite a zoo, in New Delhi. The first thing, of course, was to name the bird. And after a bit of consideration, and slightly based on the colouring, Elsa decided to name the pigeon Mango. The next thing, of course, was to understand what breed this pigeon was. So we leapt on Google and Googled pigeon plus green plus India, and soon discovered that this was the Rajasthani green pigeon. A somewhat rare pigeon, though, to be honest, we've seen many of them since in the neighbourhood, but up to that point we hadn't seen such an exotic, green, beautiful, if slightly down-on-its-luck bird. Anyway, we set up a cage, we gave the bird water, and we considered what to do. We weren't really sure what to do, not being experienced in, in pigeons, let alone birds. So again, we went back to the internet, and quite rapidly we found pigeon and dove-fancying groups around the world and and rescue groups, many of which were based in places like California or Germany or the UK and had really quite substantial numbers of members. And so before we went to bed, we posted a picture of Mango on one of these groups and thought nothing more about it. But we thought we'd possibly get some advice on rehabilitating this bird, being birdie rookies. The next morning we woke up and to our astonishment, The Facebook post of Mango had more than a thousand likes um, and comments from all around the world. And of course, the curiosity of Mango was was Mango's greenness, because to the best of our knowledge, particularly in Europe and the United States, there's no such thing as a green pigeon, at least in the wild. And we got um, all sorts of advice on how to look after this bird. We then rather extraordinarily saw a post from a vet who lived in Montana, who had been a vet in New Delhi. I mean, this is the power, I guess, of, of social media and globalization. And the vet said to us that we should go to the Jane Bird Hospital in the Old City, <clears throat> which, of course, we duly looked up. And we established that the Jane Bird Hospital is a national center for the rescue and rehabilitation of any type of birds, because birds are, as many people will know, central to the Jane religion. Um, we also established that the... Uh, the Jane Bird Hospital was right next to the old city in the Jama Masjid, one of the most congested and one of the oldest places uh, in the world. So we duly jumped in my Jeep with Cecilia, Elsa, our twin girls, and Mango, the Rajasthani Green Pigeon. 
and we set off up to the old city with with a little bit of trepidation because um, typically uh, I tend to be at least slightly nervous of taking little girls from Europe into very big crowds, not because I particularly worry. It's just that it can be stressful and this was the middle of the day and it was pretty hot. So anyway, we we ventured forth um, with Mango in the cage and there was this sort of charming scene once we parked near the Jama Masjid where we walked through the most enormous crowd, me, the little girls and the green pigeon, which was a source of great curiosity to passers-by. And we chatted to a few people. When we got to the Bird Jane Hospital, we we took our shoes off because it's attached to a Jane temple. So it's really a holy place. And we took Mango the Bird up to see the vets. And it was an absolutely extraordinary scene. There were literally thousands and thousands of birds, kites, pigeons, all sorts of broken birds, birds that didn't look like they were going to survive, birds that had their wings taped up, birds with one leg. Um, it was a sort of wonderful but a sort of pitiful sight. Um, and we chatted to the vets there who established that Mango had some sort of um, bacterial disease and rammed some antibiotic, birdie antibiotics down poor Mango's throat. And we were offered to leave Mango there, but when we looked around at Mango's fellow inmates or potential fellow inmates, we felt that maybe Mango was better off in our apartments. Um, but the Jane Bird Hospital, and really I encourage anyone to go there, it's a unique and extraordinary thing, was a magical place. I mean, God knows how many birds they have in there, literally thousands. But what they do every day is they take the birds up to the rooftop, and if the bird's ready to fly and fly away, the bird just does just that. Um, and because they're very visible and they stand high um, above the old city, it's a, it's a four-story building. If the bird um, doesn't feel like it wants to make a complete break for it, the bird can come back. Um, so we thought that was encouraging, but nonetheless, we, we, we packed Mango back up in Mango's cage and, and, and brought Mango back to the apartment. Of course, um, the two, the two uh, individuals who were not happy to see us were uh, our Persian cats, Cashel and Sprite, um, who were, um, to say the least, uh, put out by the arrival of our, our feathered friend. Anyway, time went on, um, and this story really becomes sort of one of these great stories of, of India where, in our opinion, uh, it's, it's a land of potential, it's a land of uh, possibility and a place where you can make something from nothing. And we, you know, the arrival of Mango, which is sort of our karma, uh, was the beginning of this story. Anyway, Mango got better and better and better. And we had some extraordinary experiences. We had Dr. Yadav, who turned out to be the zoo's bird vet, mainly because he was the zoo's reptile vet and they didn't have a bird vet so he became the bird vet and we retained Dr. Yadav at a slightly eye-watering expense but um, yeah at this point we were committed to the recovery of mango so Dr. Yadav would arrive and Dr. Yadav's main mission really was for us to encourage him encourage to to, um, to download his YouTube videos which um, he would show us so mango got a certain amount of attention money exchanged hands and we all kind of downloaded um, Dr. Yadav's uh, YouTube videos on, on birds. So anyway, Honor was satisfied. This went on for some time, and then we had this most wonderful day where Elsa, on our roof terrace, we're very lucky to have a roof terrace, took Mango out, and Mango wonderfully flew away. And we feel like we've seen Mango, you know, many, many times since. Uh, but, but, you know, mission accomplished. Um, and, and, you know, the circle of, of life and recovery, of course... All of this encouraged Elsa Reed to uh, get more interested in birds. 
And after inquiries with, with our friend Yadav, we found our way to um, a bird breeder. And of course, in India, birds and breeding and all of that is a kind of murky area and it is regulated. But because birds are very important to the Jain community, to the Muslim community, there are huge amounts of exotic birds and their provenance is probably slightly dubious. But we found our way to a guy in, in Noida in the east who, by all accounts, was was reputable. And we chatted to him when we went to see him, and we acquired two fledgling lovebirds. Um, and, it, and as is the tradition in our house, the lovebirds, of course, had to be named. And one was named Mochi, uh, and one was named Rio. And Elsa Reed then kind of educated herself on how to rear birds, and we had rosters and pipettes and formulas and bird um, antibiotics and all sorts of stuff. And during this period, we, we decided to build an aviary on our roof. Um, and again, in India, things that would cause you a lot of brain damage in the West are instantly available in the sense that you can get carpenters. And so no sooner had we sort of instructed it one morning, by the end of the next day, the aviary was complete, which was exciting because we've never owned an aviary. And on a sort of bucket list of things to do, you might say, well, you know, an aviary is <laughs> sort of one of them tick. Um Life went on like this, and then we went back to England, and then we had, on Christmas Eve, the extremely sad news that Mochi had uh, basically expired. And of course, this, you know, this cast a bit of a, a pall over, over Christmas, but we were philosophical in, in that Rio had survived, um, and that this was just karma, and, and what could we do? We got back to India in early January, and, and we felt sorry. I mean, lovebirds um, appear to be creatures who need each other, so... We acquired another another lovebird called, uh, well, named uh, subsequently uh, Kiwi. So at this point we had Rio and, and, and Kiwi. We we went to uh, bury Mochi in um, in Sunda Nurseries, which I'm not sure you're, you're meant to do. And we had this um, slightly bizarre encounter with the gardeners who 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 made strange sort of hand gestures involving a sort of straight forearm and the hand perpendicular. Uh, with sort of shaking of their heads, which um, which we didn't really understand. So we sort of went into the bushes and, and we dug a little hole and we buried uh, Mochi and we said a few prayers and the rest of it. Subsequently, we found out that the gardener's signal uh, was the hand signal for cobras. So um, we might narrowly have avoided a sort of nest of cobras. Uh, I guess such is such is the fate of living in a living in a country that you don't understand or you you have a steep learning curve in. So the story goes on. Rio and, and Kiwi grew up and we got better and better at birds and love birds. Um, and then, as is the way with birds, as, as we found out, and, and again, this is sort of lessons in the cycle of life. It's a bit like the street dogs we know that come and go and life is short and difficult. Um, a Kiwi, Kiwi died. And again, there was much wailing and gnashing of teeth, but we were sort of getting used to it now. And Rio lived on. And Rio is the most extraordinary character of 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 lovebirds, hugely independent, um, clever, witty, um, insisting on running away from you, and, and quite a handful for, for a pocket-sized bird. But nonetheless, in our usual way, we felt that um, Rio was, was in need of a companion. So we decided to kind of up the ante a bit, um, and Elsa, having researched you know, the next level of birds, established that what we really required was a green Senegalese parrot. Um, and I won't spend hours on this podcast explaining Senegalese parrots, but the basic thought process there is is medium-sized parrot of huge intelligence uh, and fascination. So 
the the parrot arrived again as a as a fledgling, um, and they take enormous looking after these birds. So it's very good for for, for children. Um, so if you have children, get them into Senegalese parrots. And of course, these two birds, Rio and and um, and, and then Nori, the Senegalese parrot was named, sort of fell in love with each other. And that went on for some time until the day when we came back from lunch with some French friends. And to our horror, Kiwi um, had managed, I'm sorry, Rio had managed to escape from the aviary, which was a bit like the Great Escape or the Escape from Stalag Luft or any other famous escapes. It was really impossible to see how how Rio had done this. Um, but nonetheless, Rio had done it and flown away and left Nori on, on her own or his own. And one of the curiosities of birds is that, um, of course, until you get them DNA tested with their feathers, which is a whole other story in India, which you, which you can do. But um, I think we're just sort of content to be sort of sexually gender ambiguous or whatever, we're very modern anyway. Um, but Senegalese parrot Nori was left on on his or her own. Anyway, the story went on, um, and the story comes to an end, um, or comes to a, a, a kind of um, a juncture shortly. Um, Nori grew up with us and became really a kind of central member of the family, sitting on my shoulders during lockdown. Nori was then joined by Haru and Yumi, which was one of these sad lockdown stories because they ran out of, of the right kind of food formula, and there was no way of replacing what we needed to replace. So those two birds expired. So at this point, we're, we're, we're basically five birds down, one bird up, uh, with mango released into the wild. So, you know, it's a high attrition game, uh, not helped by lockdown, which was, which was rather sad. No one really talks about, you know, birds and lockdown or pets and lockdown, but I'm sure there've been an, an awful lot of losses. Then came the terrible day when the girls again were back in England and I was here during lockdown and I went to put Nori on my shoulder by the aviary. And Nori um, did this every single day and was involved in Zoom calls with me and people would remark that Nori was a really good addition to conference calls in the sense that, you know, the bird was light relief, quite entertaining and had these rather sort of charming sounds, albeit at this stage Nori hadn't learnt to, uh, to, to, to any human words. But as I transported Nori towards my study, Nori took fright and flew off to my absolute horror, flew off towards the zoo, which is a dense, dense jungle. And I stood there, sort of crestfallen, really, um, because this bird... And remember, this, this had happened less than a year after the arrival of Mango. So, we, you know, we've been through six birds at this time. And Nori flew away. Then the next day... I spent the whole day looking for Nori and subsequently the next whole 10 days and we advertised everywhere and we put signs up and we were on every social media group in Delhi and every WhatsApp group in the neighbourhood searching for Nori and it's two or three months since Nori flew off and we're still maintaining the story that, that basically Nori's on a, you know, an Indian Delhi sabbatical and, and one day we'll, we'll come back and, and we sort of hope that Nori uh, will come back. Um, but in the meantime, and it's not the end of our bird story because we're looking into new birds and when Elsa was England, in England during part of lockdown, she got into hatching um, uh, chickens and ha- hatched six silky chicks. Um, so the story hasn't ended and the story hasn't ended in India either. But it's just one of those small little stories that I wanted to share about a subject that people really don't know much about in India, 
which is which is birds, but it is a story all about India in the sense that it's a story of going from from something to nothing, um, developing that story, being able to actually be be part of the story and make the story happen, and then it's also the story of you know the circle of life through through birds. Um, this is Les from India, and thanks for listening. <laughs>